Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, it's Michael Beckerman. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built world, which is the single largest industry contributor to climate change, responsible for 40% of all carbon emissions. Today, I'm really excited to talk to somebody that's, I think, I don't know, not that I think, I know, is half my age, <laughs> which is what gives me great hope for the future. The next generation is going to fix what my generation screwed up. I believe that. And so I'm excited to, to welcome Eric Landry of Grez, uh, who is a climate change specialist to the podcast. Eric, thanks for spending some time with us on the podcast today. No, thanks for having me, Michael. So why don't we, uh, if we can begin, if you could share a little bit about you and your background with the audience that might not be familiar with you and, and Grez. Um, well, I'll, I'll kind of start with Grez and then I'll go into my background. Um, so Grez is, uh, we kind of sit in between fund managers and uh, institutional investors and we serve it as an, as an engagement platform. Um, so every year we release an assessment um, which the fund managers and real estate companies will go ahead and complete. We go ahead and take in that data, we analyze it, we clean it, we benchmark it, and then we spit that back out back to the fund managers themselves so they can know how they're doing both absolutely and against their peers. And then also we pass that information on to our network of investors. That way, everyone is on the same page with how everyone's performing and they have the same vocabulary around kind of what's important in terms of performance. That means that they can engage more effectively with, with their managers. Uh, my background, I mean, I actually started off uh, studying chemistry, um, but after working in the lab for a bit, I kind of realized that uh, I needed to do something a little more people-facing. <laughs> Uh, instead of uh, being uh, hours on end in an isolated laboratory. And I was working on um, what are called organic photovoltaics, or I guess what you could say plastic, solar, stale, solar cells made out of plastic. But after a little bit of that, I realized that, um, yeah, I wanted to go have something with a little more impact. Um, so I made my way over to the U.S. Department of Energy in their SunShot initiative, so in their Solar Energy Technologies Office. Um, and that really broadened my view to the realm of renewable energy. And so I was managing essentially, um, well, we were, we were distributing funding to a variety of projects that were meant to facilitate um, rapid penetration of renewables onto the electricity grid of the United States. And so after two years of that, it kind of became clear to me that technology was not a silver bullet. Um, the economics were not necessarily the silver bullet either. A lot of it had to kind of hit this sweet spot this um, between the trifecta of technology, economics, and policy. So I went back to graduate school to, to a program called the Technology and Policy Program up in Boston at MIT. And there's where I kind of really started getting into sustainability because it became clear to me that um, if you 
give the world more energy. It doesn't matter if that energy is renewable. People will find a use for it. They'll, they'll use more energy. So it was actually a, a, a consumption problem as well as a, as, a, as a supply problem. And so that's what got me into sustainability and through my thesis work and other courses at the Sloan School of Management, um, became interested in, in, in kind of uh, corporate sustainability and climate change, some climate change modeling and essentially uh, found my way uh, to grasp. This podcast is really, for me, if nobody else listens, I would call it Climate Cast for Dummies because there's so much that I'm learning. And so it's really about me sort of just asking very simple questions so because I don't know all the answers and maybe I'm not alone in that regard. But so unpack what Gresb does and why is benchmarking so important? As it relates to climate risk, climate change in in the in you know the real estate industry. I mean, there's there's a number of data providers out there that that I guess would would do similar things. They go ahead and take uh, either publicly disclosed information. They'll match that up into their own scores. Um, and there's some great work out of MIT that actually have, has has delved into you know why these scores differ so much. You can take a look at the same exact company and some will score very highly in terms of environmental sustainability and others will score very lowly even when they're looking at the same exact company. So benchmarking allows us to go ahead and say how you're doing against your peers in very kind of uh, comparable terms. And so you know, that often, oftentimes that, that's what the institutional investors are looking for. Oftentimes they don't know what best in class is. They just know that they want something better than than what they already have, or something something that will improve their, their portfolio performance. So um, that that's kind of the role that benchmarking plays. And tell us about then the work that Grasp does specifically. Give us some examples and uh, unpack the work that you're doing. So um, again, I kind of went over the general assessments. So we have three assessments. We have the real estate assessment, infrastructure fund assessment, infrastructure asset assessment. But we're also uh, in the works of producing tools that would help fund managers and, and uh, investors go ahead and understand uh, their portfolios along a number of different aspects. So those aspects being things like climate-related risk. If you take a look at the two main categories of climate-related risk, you have physical risk and transition risk. And we're, we're, we provide, um, well, for one, we already have a tool out, and for another, we're, we're working on it. So one of the the, the products uh, that, I, that I've worked on and that we have out there right now is called the Climate Risk Platform. Um, and essentially, when anyone reports to us one, one of their assets, so you know, fund managers will go ahead and, and uh, report to us during our regular reporting period. And actually, we mandate that they provide us information on each one of their assets in, in their entire portfolio. So that amounts to something over 120,000 individual assets, individual buildings um, that we have data on. And we go ahead and geolocate every single one of those one of those buildings. And we thought, okay, how can we provide a greater amount of value back to uh, these fund managers who have spent so much of their time reporting to Grez? And so we we partnered with Munich Re, a large global reinsurer um, who's been doing climate modeling for, for many decades now. And uh, so we go ahead and map the geolocations of all of these buildings against the physical risk, uh, I guess you could call them maps of, of Munich Re. And then we can go ahead and aggregate and, and slice and dice and, and show people who use the climate risk platform exactly 
what assets of theirs are most exposed to physical climate risk. So that's 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 one example of a product we're working on. Another one that I'm really excited about is is our tra- uh, up and coming transition risk tool. Uh, as we know, the kind of rapidly changing uh, you know regulatory environment might put uh, specific buildings, particularly those with uh, you know large consumption values or, or high GHG emissions at risk of becoming stranded or obsolete, um, or at least in regulatory terms. And so, um, you know, we're building a, a, a tool that will essentially allow us to using the energy consumption and energy consumption type values of all the, you know, of all the data that we have and all of the assets that we cover. Um, we can go ahead and estimate, calculate uh, carbon footprint and, uh, project them against uh, science-based decarbonization pathways and show exactly you know, who's net zero aligned, who's not net zero aligned, uh, what assets are at risk of being stranded first, kind of property types you need to be watching out for, things like this. Two examples of some climate-related uh, risk tools. Terrific. And I'm sure people will go to the website and find many more examples and get much more detail, but that's great at a high level. And talk to me about one of the things I thought that was really interesting in sort of my uh, initial prep that I was doing for this uh, interview with you is uh, the gamification of sustainability. What the heck does that mean? We use this benchmarking and scoring, I guess, to guide our members on what they should be focusing on. Oftentimes, you know, they don't know where to start. And so by providing point values of different weights to things that we we have deemed important, or not 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 even we, that the industry has deemed important. You know, we're industry led and we we follow the kind of the the flow of the industry. So what the industry has said is, is important, then they'll go ahead and focus there. I mean, a lot of times when they're filling these out and you know the reports come out, they ravenously look over these reports to find out if they've bumped up by a quarter of a point or 0.4 points. And so they're always looking for ways to make points. And as long as we can build those models in a way that points actually incentivize good behavior and good performance from a sustainability and energy consumption and greenhouse gas standpoint, then we can we can focus the conversation on those things that really matter. Very cool. Very cool. The other thing I just want, would love to hear from you is what, what are some of the sort of the tangible results that you've seen, some of the feedback that you've gotten where people have taken all of your data and all your information and either, and you know, I'm not asking for a specific company name, obviously that's confidential, but you know, just sort of like a high level where it's causing some change of strategy or companies are using the information to think differently about the portfolio or, or what have you. I mean, are there any kind of like high level examples that you could share uh, the benefits of all this information? Well, that's kind of the whole business of GRESB is, is to promote fund managers to put in place good practices. And so uh, one way that we've done this in the past is to calculate a like-for-like score. So um, we don't want managers to just be dumping assets that aren't currently performing well. We want them to use the assets that they already have and implement, you know, retrofits or, or better management programs or energy efficiency uh, programs or better HVAC systems. We want them to go and actually use what they have. So we have a, a like for like uh, score and we, we, we ascribe points to that, um, whereby we, we take a look at the exact same construction of a portfolio. And if they can reduce the energy 
of that same portfolio over time, regardless of what other assets that they've dropped or, or acquired in the meantime, then they can go ahead and, uh, you know, receive credit for going ahead and making those assets more sustainable. One you know, example that, that comes to mind is we actually had a, a manager go ahead and implement a best-in-class community resilience program, not even based on our assessment, but something that we were potentially going to put in our in our assessment. So, um, again, people are watching these assessments very closely. and um, if there's a hint as to, you know, uh, any way they can get ahead of it and, you know, grab more points, then uh, they might go ahead and do good. Right. Great. Whatever it takes. Right. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you, you're well aware of this. I'm, I'm late to the, uh, to the crisis as always in realizing that the built world is so responsible for carbon emissions more than any other industry. So from your vantage point, you know, what kind of insights can you share with the group as to how we can mobilize, incentivize the real estate industry to embrace climate change and start to implement some of these best practices to reduce carbon emissions, both operating and embodied. What advice would you give to the industry as a whole? I know it's a big question, it's a lot of pressure, but you must have thought about it. Like, What could you share as to how we can mobilize the industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably most of the people in this industry have traditionally, I guess, followed the money. And so I guess traditionally we've gone ahead and and said, well, if you don't want to be left behind, if you don't want to be at risk of being left holding the bag with stranded assets, then you need to start decarbonizing. Now, we're seeing a change in the past even six months where we've seen this rapid increase in I guess commitments to net zero targets and net zero goals. You can yeah. so even the there's a new initiative, the Asset Managers Alliance, which has combined 43 trillion U.S. dollars under management, incredible amount that have committed to uh, some sort of net zero target. And so I think in terms of galvanization, in terms of target setting, even that is, is a really great starting point. Now, once they've made those commitments, part of the role that Grez plays is let's give them the tools in order to go ahead and actually reach those those commitments. Um, now that they've kind of you know said that they're going to do something and they're all scrambling around trying to figure out how they're going to do it, that's where that's where we think we can play a role. Great. Great. So finally, I was so impressed when I was looking at your background. I saw 30 Under 30 by Green Biz Magazine and Publication Magazine. I'm so freaking old. I think of magazines. Oh my gosh. When I get asked about taking this on, right? I'm not doing it myself, of course, but this is my mission is to help decarbonize the built world. Where do I draw my inspiration from? I draw it from young professionals like yourself who could go anywhere and take on any kind of job, given your background, and you choose this industry and this fight to take on. And I think so much of the change that we're seeing in the world, particularly in Europe, is coming from your generation, right? And it's very, very inspiring. And it gives me hope. Where, where do you get your hope from? And where also do you draw your inspiration from? I mean, you know, whether it's at MIT or whether it's your colleagues or, or just young professionals like yourself, where do you get your hope from and inspiration from? I guess... Anyone who was in that 30 under 30 and anyone in general has achieved any bit of success has stood on the shoulders of giants. And, and so I, myself, I, I look up to those who have been working on, you know, and fighting climate change for decades now. You know, the ones who uh, were fighting for it before it became big, right? And so, um, you know, I think about my advisor in, in graduate school, 
Professor John Sturman at the MIT Sloan School of Management. And he's just been, you know, a titan in this field and, and really brings just tremendous amount of rigor, um, not only to the science, but also to the communication of that science to policymakers and to decision makers. And so, yeah, I mean, not only has the work that he's done been transformational, but also, you know, having been advised by him, he's also taught me important lessons about whether or not something seems too big to tackle. We need to start. Um, you know, that's how I got through my thesis, essentially. <laughs> that's great. My final question is I try to ask everybody, given the outlook of what it's going to take to get to net zero and the challenges, you know, the climate is, it, it's impacting us on a daily basis around the world. Are you hopeful that, you know, when you look at your life and you've got, you know, hundred years you know, to live ahead of you, I don't have that many, unfortunately, but are you hopeful that we can get there and we could address this with the sense of urgency as a society that we need to, to prevent the climate from entering the crisis that we're heading towards? Yeah, well, it's kind of my job to be hopeful. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I'd be able to do what I do unless unless I did have that bit of hope. Now, now, if you were to ask me if I was confident right. in the world's ability to go ahead and make this transformational shift, that would be a different question. But yeah, there's always the possibility. And uh, it's that sliver that, that we have to work towards. We, we don't have any other choice. Well, we really appreciate all the work that you're doing, Eric, and uh, you and your colleagues at Grasby. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just uh, keep on keeping on, man. I mean, just keep fighting the fight. And I, I hope you remain hopeful because where a lot of us are counting on, on a, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, on your generation to fix what my generation screwed up. So, Eric, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to spend with me on the podcast today. Thanks to you, Michael. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe. Join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.